to say, uh, you know, thank you to people in the military, uh, you know, that's nice, and I, and I, and I certainly want to say thank you. But uh, I really want uh, uh, as many of them to be safe and come home and see their families. I've got four kids that are five and under. I'm 60. Wow. My <laughs> wife is a collector. She collects babies. <laughs> You have a fight on your hands every single day. I, I am in combat here, so to speak, if I may be so glib. Welcome to the National Defense. The National Defense is dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans, and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Alec Baldwin is an actor, writer, and producer. A member of the Baldwin family, he's the oldest of the four Baldwin brothers, all actors. Baldwin first gained recognition appearing on the CBS television drama Knott's Landing. He's also played both leading and supporting roles in a variety of films such as Tim Burton's Beetlejuice, Mike Nichols' Working Girl, Jonathan Demme's Married to the Mob, and Oliver Stone's Talk Radio. He gained attention for his performances as Jack Ryan in The Hunt for Red October and in Glengarry Glen Ross. Since then, he's worked with such notable directors as Woody Allen and Alice, Jerome with Love and Blue Jasmine, and Martin Scorsese in The Aviator and The Departed. His performance in the drama The Cooler that earned him a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. From 2006 to 2013, Alec gained critical acclaim, starring alongside Tina Fey as Jack Dunaghy on the on the NBC sitcom 30 Rock, winning two Primetime Emmy Awards, three Golden Globe Awards, and seven Screen Actors Guild Awards. Baldwin co-starred in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Mission Impossible Fallout, the fifth and sixth installments of the Mission Impossible series. Since 2016, he's been the host of Match Game. He's received worldwide attention and acclaim for his portrayal of Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live, a role that won him his third primetime emmy we are so excited to have alec baldwin right here on the national defense he's been in two mission impossible movies he's the host of the new match game he's got three emmys an oscar nomination and yet every time he's on the street people ask him are you the guy who does trump on saturday night Live?" (laughs) alec baldwin joins us here on the national defense how are you i'm uh, i'm happy to get the opportunity to do your show i mean i I've, i've been asked in pockets of my life, they'll come and do this USO program or come and do something for the troops. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it's, uh, the, the schedule has always eluded me, which is something I'd love to do. I, I wouldn't dream of uh, doing my Trump for the troops overseas. That would be, uh, 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 they, they, they've had about enough of that, and so have I. I got, I got but, t- um, I got anyway, t- I'm, I'm grateful. To, thanks for letting me on. Thank you. No, I, listen, thank you so much for taking the time. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm such a fan of uh, really all of your work, and um, I've always loved the match game. You do a great job on the match game. How did that come about? Well, these, these people from a company called Fremantle, they have the right to many of the old school game shows, sure. TV game shows, and they came to me and said, uh, uh, did I want to do a summer package? They were going to do summer Sundays, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Uh, Michael Strahan, uh, Steve Harvey, and myself doing three shows, an hour each. And we did it, and my wife and I are, are always looking for streams of revenue for our charity, because we have a, an arts-related, a predominantly sure. arts-related charity. And so we did the show. I gave the money to charity, and then uh, they came to me and said, you know, would you do it more regularly? 
And of course, my wife, now that we have four kids, she was like, of course he will. You know? <laughs> and uh, she shoved me towards the pan and the signing table. And everything. Right. But, uh, the, uh, no, it's been, um, I will say two things. One is that um, when you do a job, the people you work with, I mean, the, the, the movie could be the most compelling movie. The play could be one of the greatest plays. But it's the people you work with. I mean, I'm sure that your sure. listeners in the, in the military would say the same thing. And, uh, the, you know, it's, 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 you, you've got to have comrades you can really, uh, get out there and do it with. And on Match Game, the people from Fremantle and the execs at ABC, and, and when we bring the celebs in to do the show, we have a ball. It, it, it really is one of the best jobs we've ever had in terms of having fun. But did I want to be a game show host in my life? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, that's the only thing you hadn't done. Well, that you know, well that and uh, and and fly a, a jet fighter, maybe <laughs> Air Force. But, the, uh, but I will say this: that the, the for me, everything in my life now, and I do mean everything, is about finding work where I can stay home. Yeah. Which was traveling with my wife and my little kids. We got four little kids, and traveling with them has become uh, uh, impossible. Well, and I'm sure that a lot of our audience uh, certainly appreciated your work in uh, the Hunt for Red October. Man, what a great movie! How was how was that experience? Well, you know, it, like any film, every film you do, especially bigger films where there's a budget and, uh, uh, you know, the studio has a certain kind of influence in certain, uh, in certain circles. You know, they got me up at Groton and we did some uh, observations there. We, hmm. we, uh, we spent two full days up there watching at the sub base in New London and watching them uh, display certain training that they did there for their, uh, uh, their the, the naval uh uh, the naval men and women there. And then the, the real kicker was when we went out to Point Loma and got on the USS Salt Lake City and dove to oh, 600 wow. feet and spent the night on the nuclear submarine. Uh, we were there all afternoon and evening, and then the next morning we came back. But to, to spend an evening <clears throat> with these men and women who are in the uh, nuclear attack submarine class and everything, they, it was really so so amazing. Because whenever yeah. you feel like... Uh, you, you think that the United States military is so powerful and so capable to realize it's the people and the training they have. You know, we had uh, Bradley Cooper. And by the way, we were talking to uh, Alec Baldwin here in the National Defense. We had Bradley Cooper on talking about American Sniper. And he came on actually with a consultant who was a Navy SEAL. And it, it, he said he was instrumental in terms of, you know, making that look correct and doing all the right things. Was that the kind of same thing with uh, Hunt for Red October? Oh, yeah. You, you, you can't. You can't, uh, Scott Glenn really was exactly like the officer of the Salt Lake City, the captain who we were there. Wow. You know, you, when you do films, you do what we call the, at least what I call the authorization process, mm. which is you go and meet characters in real life and you, and you go and see what are they really like and how do they really behave and what's, what's the kind of tone they have in their job. Are there drill sergeants? that are really screaming at people like Lee Ermey in Full Metal Jacket. I mean, what's real? You know, right, right. you go and see what's real, and sometimes uh, it, what's in the movies is pretty real. You know, I'm right here, buddy. Hold on, and I'm here with my son. So, uh, but, but, but I'll tell you one thing. I am somebody who I'm from a generation where you know my dad was a drill instructor on Paris Island. He was a Marine. Uh, was that right? I got to yeah. My dad was a DI, a PI when yeah, he was wow. But uh, uh, and but we. You know, when we grew up, I thought to myself, like a lot of people who uh, didn't have the resources to go to school necessarily to pay for it, I was going to go ROTC. And I was poised to go ROTC in the Air Force if I could back in 75. Mm -hmm. I got toward my, uh, I was going to apply as I got toward my senior year of high school. 
And uh, then the war ended. The war in Vietnam ended. Mm -hmm. And my dad said to me, you're going to sign up and you want to learn to fly a plane. You wanted to teach you to fly a plane, which was, of course, the, the goal of those, you know, who wouldn't want that. Sure. And he said, they're going to train less pilots and they're going to be, and more importantly, they're going to be more picky and more demanding of who they want. So he said, you're not necessarily going to get into that program. So uh, I changed my mind and I did not go ROTC. But, <laughs> you know, beyond, beyond Randy, beyond everybody, regardless of your political passions, regardless of yes. what we say about what's going on in the country, to say, uh, you know, thank you to people in the military, uh, you know, that's nice. And I, and I, and I certainly want to say thank you. But uh, I really want uh, uh, as many of them to be safe and come home and see their families. I've got four kids that are five and under. I'm 60. Wow. My <laughs> wife is a collector. She collects babies. <laughs> You have a fight on your hands every single day. I, I am in combat here, so <laughs> to speak, if I may be so glib. You know, you but know, the point is, is, that, is that the idea of being away from my, my heart goes out and my gratitude goes out to those men and women who are separated from their families as a result of this work. Because I can't imagine being away from my kids. I can't imagine. So Alex, the deepest I, thank you to people who do that. I'm so glad you said that and so glad you brought that up about because that is the one thing that we can all agree on right i mean i don't care what, oh, yeah. what side of the aisle what what your politics are the thing about and the thing i love about this show is it's totally apolitical and our our, yeah, our, that's our, great. our our mission is just to always support the troops and that's the one thing i think this is interesting um we talked to rob reiner uh a while right. ago and, uh, and right. you you were almost in his movie right uh, yeah, we were going to do, well, that's a very funny story you bring that up because Rob wanted me to do the movie and we kept going along trying to uh, get some of the finer details on that whole thing in terms of the schedule and everything in the contract. And Lauren Michaels kept saying to me, I want you to come and play Trump on SNL in the fall of 2016. And what are you going to do? You're going to do a couple of episodes. He's going to lose and we're going to be on our way. He said, he's going to lose and we'll be done with it. Well, uh, Rob's thing didn't come together. I wound up leaving to go do the Trump thing, which right. I did not want to do, by the way. I said, Warren, I don't really want to do this. But uh, <laughs> And then I wound up going back and doing it. And now I've been doing it, you know, Oh my gosh! It's going to be on my tombstone. You know? it's, it's, An orange wig is going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> well, the thing I was tell you though, I, and I talked when I was talking to Rob. He said the same thing about uh, you know supporting the troops and, and letting them know, uh, regardless of, of how you feel about everything else. And I said, you know, uh, we're we're having a little bit of problems uh, with some celebrities. I mean, there have been some great people that have come on the show, but there are some celebrities who can't find five minutes in their day to make a phone call and just support the troops. And he, he thought that was crazy. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that everybody is scared both ways. The way that conservatives and people who were much more conservative in, in Hollywood felt very muted and they felt very intimidated maybe because it was such a liberal town. And, and, and P.S. It's not such a liberal town anymore. Yeah. I'll tell you, but yeah. the the, uh, um, the, the people, now you find that both sides are infected with that fear of yeah. taking any kind of a stand. And for me, listen, Randy, I'm the kind of person who has walked around with not saying, you know, that we should strip the military down and not have what we need. The United States doesn't have that luxury. We have a role to play. It's going to cost a certain investment from us, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and by and large, with some exceptions, we've done, uh, you know, we've made an important contribution you know, to peace and stability around the world that way. However, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person who, my, I've always been one of those guys where it's like, the greatest thing we can do for the troops is bring them home. 
You know, I mean, I'm and they would agree with. I'm just concerned. I'm just concerned about their health and safety and them being with their families. Let's talk about your dad a little bit now and his military career. Right. My dad was a Marine and uh, uh, he went to Paris Island. He eventually was an expert marksman with a rifle. He was a drill instructor. He was a DI at PI. And, uh, uh, and he, um, uh, he was shot accidentally on a beach, a guy, uh, the story we were told was that a guy uh, closed the chamber on a 22 caliber rifle. Uh, the, the can fell off the rock or off the limb of the tree or whatever it was. He went over to put the can back on the spot where he was set up a little target. And then he looked at the rifle and wasn't, uh, you know, and just discharged the round. And it went off the ground and hit my father in the stomach. Oh, Wow. My dad was shot clean through the abdomen. He had a hole clean through his body. And when we were younger, my dad, you know, he got shot in the front and had a, you know, kind of a snake-like scar there. And in his back, you could stick your finger in a hole. Oh, in his back. Man. oh my God. Wow. Like a dent in his back. We were kids. We'd be like, you know, all of our childhood, we were like, you know, show us your hole, your bullet hole. Right. <laughs> And he was like, enough, enough. Right. Uh, uh, and he, yeah, but he, got, he was sent home, honorably discharged, shot. Wow. In the stomach, and then and then he went on to have a career. Well, the the war was essentially over anyway. Sure, uh, but he um, uh, he was uh, he went over there in uh, I guess uh, you know like like right on top of D Day. He finished high school, uh, uh, and he was uh, uh, I think he was seventeen and forty four mm. and graduated high school. And you and oh, D Day was August, correct? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he went over, and he was in uh, he was in uh, uh, Paris Island, and went home after a couple of months. But the war was over anyway because of D Day, and he came back and he coached riflery because on Long Island, which is of course part of New York State and part of the New York State High School Athletic Association, they mandated certain sports for schools of a certain size and above. So if you had a population of so many people and you want a high school of so many people to get accredited for their high school, the state high school athletic program, you had to offer basketball, baseball, football, wrestling, you know, women's sports. Back then the women's sports were less evolved than they are now. Right. Field hockey and soccer and things like that. And uh, they had all these sports and riflery because many of the schools in the system were upstate schools were hunting and shooting. Sure. And rifle and riflery was, was uh, prevalent. So my dad, was a riflery coach on Long Island in a very suburban, uh, you know, area, and uh, he coached riflery for twenty-eight years. Wow. Well, I, how about having a, a trained um, military marksman teaching you riflery? That's incredible. We would we would go down there and we would shoot, and of course we had he would roll up a mat, you know, the 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 the, the mats that the rifle right. uh, the rifleman would use for the prone position. Uh, uh, and um, they, uh, uh, you know, they get down on the ground. We would roll up a mat and rest the gun on the mat. We didn't hold the gun regulation style when we were kids. You know? so sure. we, would, we would rest the, uh, the like it was on a like, like it was on a stand, and we would rest it on the thing and shoot. And then we would go to the matches uh, all the time. Uh, uh, and watch my dad, you know, come down two clicks, come right three clicks, you know, him instructing them. <laughs> and, the, and, and the very quiet 
whispered instructions, you know, because the uh, the uh, the rifle tournaments were like chess matches. Everybody was very muted and very quiet. I got my high school did not offer uh, riflery. I mean that that's a very specialized situation, and you, you, man, you had to be proud of your dad, huh? Yeah, I think that uh, um, I think that uh, you know they were they were they won the New York State Championship. I, I know at least twice, and there might have been a third time, but I, I know comfortably that they won the New York State Riflery Championship twice, and that's and that was a very big deal to my dad and to the people he worked with because sure, uh, sure. you were you were you were up against these uh, these upstate schools who guys had guns in their hands that were hunting and shooting year out. Wow. (laughs) They lived in much more low density areas and we did, we lived in the suburbs. So, you know, if you wanted to go shoot, people had BB guns. Nobody was using live. Right. When you went far, we had to go to Pennsylvania to do that or something. Hey, we're talking to Alec Baldwin here in the national defense. Uh, You and I have something in common as a kid, Alec. Uh, We have both received a personal letter from Richard Nixon. Well, now, what was yours for? Okay, so I wrote I wrote a uh, a poem when I was in the fourth grade, and I sent it to Richard Nixon. I think it was in the fourth grade, and I got a, I, you know you never think you're going to get a response back, and it was from uh, from on, on his stationery from his personal secretary Rosemary Woods. And it just said, you know, President Nixon has asked me to say thank you for your submission, uh, but but yours was a lot more personally involved, wasn't it? Well, I think that a guy that I worked with in school who came from a, a very uh, uh, connected family in the Republican Party, he worked. He eventually worked for Nixon when Nixon, after Nixon resigned and moved out to San Clemente for a while. Uh, my friend wound up doing research for Nixon's staff in the Smithsonian and the Library of Congress, and he would pouch out to San Clemente. Uh, to Nixon's home, he would pouch uh, 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 research to them. He was working for them. This is after we graduated college, and he was very close with uh, uh, the Nixon staff. and uh, And I believe that he was instrumental in putting this under Nixon's nose because uh, he was uh, during his college years he interned with some of these folks. Um, and I think that he was capable of getting it to different people who got it under Nixon's nose to uh, send me a letter of condolence when I lost the presidential race in my school. <laughs> now, yeah. was this in your, in your college? Yeah, I ran for president of my college and right. I lost. And, and get, and got, and what did the letter say? The, 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 what I love is there's a key phrase in there, which is very adroit. And Nixon wrote, I have learned from our mutual friend, uh, of the disappointing results, then he writes, comma, as far as you are concerned, comma. <laughs> <laughs> Not to anybody else. You are, you of the disappointing results of your college presidential election. Remember the important thing is that you enter the arena. And he writes, so I, I have that letter framed. I have my letter That's great. framed. That and, is uh, great. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> We're talking to Alec Baldwin here in the National Defense. Hey, uh, so your memoir uh, called Nevertheless came out in 2017. You yep. write about you and your five siblings. We were six pieces of driftwood just bobbing through our neighborhood, avoiding trouble, courting trouble, scoring points, telling jokes, drinking, smoking, always mindful of how little we had. Uh, how did that go over with the drill instructor? 
<laughs> well, by the time I wrote the book, uh, he was gone. You know, but uh, sure. Uh, but the um, I just mean I just mean the actual activity he, around the house. I understand your question, which is that uh, well, he uh, I think that he was somebody who he wanted us to just always um, keep in mind. Like he used to always say to me, if you get arrested and you get convicted of something, you can't take the bar exam in New York State. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to go to law school yeah. back then. And, and and he was always very mindful to like lay out the, the rules of the game. The I ramifications. Mean, yeah, like the, the consequences. You need to know there's consequences. And he was very, very stalwart about that. And, and he knew that he didn't, you know, m- most of my friends, their parents didn't have as many children. They didn't have as much, uh, you know, they, they didn't have, they had more resources. And so they could manipulate their kids by withholding things from them. If you don't do this or you do oh, this, yeah. you can't take the boat out this weekend with your friends or what have you. Right. And so we, uh, you know, my dad, I was always joked, you know, my dad only had the fear program. <laughs> you know, we only had the fear program, which was if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to be in a world of pain. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. My dad yeah. had that same program. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I uh, um, he, he was, he was just very, you know, stern, but, but I, I look back and I realize he really had no choice, you know? Well, no well yeah. With six kids. What, was your dad funny? Um, I mean, was, you know, did he have a good sense of humor and tell jokes and, yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, he, he had a good sense of humor. See, my uh, my my dad was always referred to by my friends as the great stone face. Was he? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, they would try out all of their best material on dad. And, and if you got a smile, you know, you, you did pretty good. Yeah. He was, he was a pretty, uh, um, he was a pretty, uh, uh, you know, he was a guy that, that I think, you know, you turn around and you got six kids and it's kind of wonderful. I mean, I, I have a lot of kids and it's kind of wonderful. And then you turn around and those kids grow up and, 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 and when they're, when they're young, that's one set of circumstances. You want to keep them safe and you want to make sure they don't right. choke on their, sure. they don't choke on what they're eating. And you gotta, you're, you're, you're watching the, the, the child, the infant child, the baby, the young child, you know, in the swimming pool, it's a certain set of things. And then, um, after that, it only gets harder. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, then you then you got to start really paying attention. Saving your kid from drowning is easy. Yeah, it's, right. It's, uh, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's because uh, obviously other people have had. But yeah, uh, but still, I'm just saying for me, it's like. But as they get older, and they start giving you that look, like won't oh, yeah. you go away? Uh, um, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Your, 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 your kids want you around them all the time. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then they uh, don't, and then they don't. Yeah. They, 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 they want you around all the time. Then they don't. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's tricky. So Jack Donahue, uh, the cast of 30 rock is getting back together, huh? Yeah. We're going to do the show, uh, I guess next, uh, a week from Monday, not next, not this coming Monday, but the Monday after we, we, we I shoot my portion. And I think that they're taking the program and using it for, uh, the upfronts, a kind of digital upfronts, or sure. some kind of presentation sure. for marketing or sales purposes. I don't really know the specifics. I don't. I don't even know what the 
upfront so they really even have that anymore. They have a variation of that, something sales related. And then they're going to broadcast it apparently. They're going to put it on online or How cool. uh, stream it. So yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, the script is really, really funny. It's really oh man. Funny. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, you know, people have wanted that for, for such a long time. Such a great show, great cast. And uh, man, I can't, I cannot wait for that. And by the way, just talking about your work just a little bit, uh, Alec, I just watched uh, The Departed uh, again last night. What a great move. I mean, if, if people have not seen that movie in a while, what a great move and, and a, and a phenomenal cast. Uh, what was that like working with Nicholson? Well, I didn't have any scenes with him um, in the movie. It's like when I did Glenn Gary, I didn't have any scenes with Al. Right. Um, I didn't have any scenes with Nicholson, who I've met many times, and I've had a wonderful time hanging out with him. And he's, uh, you know, we're kind of pals in the summertime. He comes out here and stays with friends and uh, comes for like a week or two and brings his son and his daughter. And, you know, they come and visit out here on Long Island. And uh, he's got a lot of friends out here that he uh, will come and visit. And, uh, um and you know, it's always always those people who I worshipped when I was growing up. You know, sure. I, I I have a lot of people that I admire that are peers of mine, but nothing like when I met Jack or Al or De Niro or Warren Beatty or uh, I, I I met Kirk Douglas once at an event, and you know, these are guys like my mouth is on the floor. Right. You know, they're the ones I they're the ones I grew up loving. So, um, but uh, the uh, um. Uh, Nicholson is, you know, he's one of the few people. I mean, I don't think there's anybody other than Spencer Tracy, maybe, who had so many uh, successful films, creatively speaking, where uh, the force of his performance is what made the film. It's not about guns and cars and special effects and spaceships and so forth. It's, you know, Nicholson is somebody who made so many great films, you know, Chinatown. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cuckoo's Nest and Postman, the remake of Postman. There's so many great films of Nicholson's. Uh, uh, I could go on and on. But um, so when I see him, uh, uh, I'm always, uh, I'm, I become like a bit of a silly fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what we, we had uh, um, Tom Hanks on the show, and I asked him about working with Paul Newman. Same kind of thing, you know, where he just couldn't speak for a while. And yeah, I, 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 I met Newman. You know, many times when we would, I was doing work to support the uh, the the cancer camp uh, up in Oh, sure, yeah, the original one, and then the foundation, which was the umbrella for all the camps. I think they have eleven camps or something now around the world. And it's like the, you know, the, the hole in the wall gang. Is that right? The hole in the wall gang camp. Uh, yeah, where kids would come there who yeah. were cancer victims, and you know Newman and Joanne. I mean, uh, you know, he was uh, he was one of a kind because uh, you know beyond building this this uh, machine to make money for charity which is given uh, the camps are self-sustaining the camps do not sit back and just pump the money from the food company the, the camps get very little money from the food company actually but the food company in newman's own um you know to have done that it's really it's almost mind-blowing you know, it, you it is at, you look at redford and he built sundance as a great uh, a learning institution. You know, there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of exciting film programming there, but it's also a lot of uh, developmental work for young people in the business. And, uh, you know, Redford and his colleagues built that from nothing, which is just 
kind of mind blowing, you know, how, how, how significant it's become in the business. And uh, the same with Paul. I mean, Paul was somebody, when you were around him, he was a very, very, very rare guy. He was very rare. He was lovely. He was lovely. You know? Yeah. He, he came to Kansas city, uh, for Mr. and Mrs. Bridges and our radio station had a chance to play softball against him, him and his crew. And it, it was, it was just, he was just cool. I mean, that's about the only word I can use because every time you, you, you saw him doing anything, catching a ball, <laughs> you know, he, he right. just, he, he just had that, that cool about him. Well, uh, Alec, thank you so much for the time, man. We, uh, we're such fans and uh, really appreciate it. And I will tell you that for the first 25 years of my life, I did a morning radio show. And every Monday, we played Match Game Monday. And we played it for $1,000. We never got a winner. Never How is that possible? Well, well, and that's what I want to ask you. I've got just a couple of Match Game things. I, want you, I just want you to see if you can be our first winner on on the okay uh, on the Monday, Monday. Uh, now I'm excited yeah okay now, good. now I'm awake all right here we go. here we go are you ready yeah thirty blank uh thirty blank well I want to say uh, uh uh thirty seconds over Tokyo no that's not it <laughs> uh maybe about well I would say thirty rocks uh we were going for thirty something you know the old uh, <laughs> The, the old TV show. Let me, I got another one. You want to try, you want to try another okay. one? Okay. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. A thousand dollars. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Pearl Blank. Okay. Pearl Bailey, or let me think about it. Pearl Bailey, uh, Pearl Onions. Uh, uh, oh, um, uh, please, Manny, don't throw me under the, uh, don't throw me under the Humvee here. Is it Pearl Harbor? I'm sorry. We're going Pearl Necklace is what we were going. Ah! That's what we had. Um, Randy, can I ask you a question? Yes. Your show, which I'm sure, you know, your show is successful. And God knows you're talented, Randy. You've got a great radio voice, one of the great radio voices. <laughs> but you really don't have $1,000 in prize money, do you? <laughs> you really don't. This is a game in which we, that I'm never going to win. We're, we're going to one more. I got one more. We're playing pin the tail on the donkey, and I'm flying, <laughs> and you're running around the room. You're moving around the room. Anyway, here we go. Ready? One more for Alec Baldwin. One thousand uh, dollars. Time on the clock. Glenn Blank. Well, knowing you and the way we play this, I got to think of the uh, 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 Glenn Beck. Oh, I'm sorry. We were going for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. No, I was. Gonna... Yeah. This, this, this is probably the most mean spirited interview <laughs> I've ever been. I've ever been subjected to in my life. I can't believe you brought me here and you just have just tripped me down a flight of stairs on your own show. How horrible of you to you, do that to You me. are fantastic. Alec Baldwin, thank you so much for the time. Hey, we'd love to have you back on sometime. Okay, you got it. All right, you thank, got it. thank you so much. You too, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The National Defense. If you like what you've heard, hey, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, pull a stranger in. Uh, whisper in an ear. Just share and subscribe and give us that five-star rating so we can keep going. We really appreciate it, and thank you so much. You've been listening to The National Defense. The National Defense is written and hosted by me, Randy Miller, and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us online at thenationaldefense.com.